millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to The Mentor. I'm Mark Burris. I love hearing ideas that seem so simple. You think to yourself, bloody hell, why hasn't anyone thought of that yet? Slip, S-L-Y-P, is an Aussie fintech which is exactly one of those. How many times a day do we get a receipt and not think about it again? I mean, this morning I saw a cash register with rolls and rolls of receipt just hanging out all over the joint because they're so busy. For customers, it's a lost opportunity to keep up with your spending, taxes and everything else that's a pain to keep up with. And for business, it's an obvious touch point in the customer journey that everyone neglects, not to mention it's a waste of paper. Because when someone interacts with you, it shouldn't be on a one and done situation. In other words, done and see you later. And Paul Weingarth agrees. He's an Aussie entrepreneur who is the co-founder and CEO of Slip, S-L-Y-P, as I said earlier. And he wants you to ditch the paper receipt for a smart, customer-centric digital receipt and embrace the opportunities that come with it. Paul came upon the concept of Slip after receiving a 50-centimeter receipt with the purchase of a single item. We've all done that. Look, we're going to get into the tech behind Slip in the chat. But what you need to know is that your returns, warranty, and financial management are streamlined into one simple smart receipt. Slip is just getting started, but it has the backing of Australia's four major banks. Yep, they muscle their way into a unique position. So let's get into it. Paul Weingarth, welcome to The Mentor, mate. Thank you. Is your my first mentor podcast guest in studio for like a long time. In fact, you're the first in this studio. This is a brand new studio. Um, obviously, I had lots of guests in studios before, but they were always at, in the city. But uh, yeah, it's the first one in Darlington, so welcome. Thank you very much. I'm a big fan of the show, so feeling very privileged to, to be here in person. Thank you. Having a chat. Um, well, you're, we'll talk about Slip, S-L-Y-P, a little later. Um, I guess... What I find fascinating is you've got a business partner. What's his name? I have two. Two business so, partners. So um, my former colleague from PayPal, Spiro Rockus. Yep. And then a uh, third co-founder is Mike Boyd, who right. is down in Melbourne, and uh, he was the former uh, group data officer of ANZ Bank. And you, you, where were you? I was at PayPal as well. Right, you were at PayPal. So, so yeah. I guess what's really interesting about that is, uh, you know, your – Near forty years of age, yep. um, so you're probably spent. How, how long have you been working on Slip for? Uh, we spent about four years. So we okay. did a couple of years, two or three years of R and D before we could pick up the tools and start building. And then, obviously, getting the collaboration between the four major banks and some of the major retailers. So um, it's been a journey, but now we're kind of turned a corner at an, an inflection point, and we've launched the platform and now scaling it out to to broader Australia. So we're pretty excited. I'm always interested in um, how three guys, and I'm assuming you're around the same age, whatever, territory. I'm the youngest. Yeah, around that territory <laughs> though. So well, let's look at you though. But I mean, but but, it, but you did in partnership. I want to talk about how important partnership is to you at least um, or going into these things with other people is to, to, 
in a moment. But just, just if I could just wind it back, like go back four years, five years, you were at PayPal. That's right. Yeah. Um, and is that did you left university or school or something, and you went into financial services and payment systems? Yeah. At some stage. That's right. So. So if you go back to that, you know, that, uh, that point of when you're leaving school and trying to figure out, you know, it feels like the biggest decision in your life, which it is at, the, at that point in time. Um, my biggest, you know, my biggest sort of thought was, well, what do I want to do? And I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, and so, and I wasn't overly studious. Um, but Were at, you at, passionate about something though? Like you were something yeah, well, well, if you go back even further. So when I was young, I was, I was always ultra competitive. So I, was, I was, loved my sport. I loved my team sport. So I loved being part of something. Um, rather than just individual sports, um, but if I wasn't competing and and focusing on my uh, my uh, my sporting achievements, I was very much focused on tinkering with stuff in the garage. So I loved like doing mechanical my stuff. Hands. Yeah, I, I was obsessed as a young fella um, with from you know from eight to fourteen years old, basically. Uh, Mum and dad they'd find me in the in the garage constantly, constantly in the garage till midnight, sometimes wee hours of the morning taking all the offcuts from the recent renovation we had done and building things. So being very resourceful but being very resilient as well as sort of the two things when looking back now and looking at, you know, they're the two critical things you need. You know, back in those moments when I was that young kid, it just felt normal. But looking back on it now, I'm like I had there was something going on there and I was almost obsessed with building things and having this sense of this drive and pers- purpose and per- perseverance but to the point where mum and dad are like, you have to go to bed. You've got to get out of the garage. So um, I think, as I say, that was, that was interesting looking back on that now. I've always, like, I think in a previous life I probably would have been a, like a builder or a, or a chippy or something like that. But um, I think, you know, that's kind of resonated now. And, and as I go into this next part of my, my journey, um, being resilient, being resourceful and wanting to build something. Did you go to PayPal? What, was that like your first job? Yeah, so when I left, so so when I made that transition out of high school, and I went, I ended up um, going and studying agricultural economics because right. I didn't do the do enough uh, study to get into the economics degree at Sydney University. Yep. So I found myself in a pretty foreign territory studying economics, which I didn't study in Year Twelve, and also um, hadn't really set foot on a farm at that age even. So I was a bit of a they used to call me the concrete cowboy. I was uh, sitting at Sydney University with all these these uh, country guys, and um, they were lovely, lovely people. And I definitely built my network there. But um, came out of that, so it took me a while. It was a four year degree. It um, I struggled through it. I really did because I wasn't really passionate about what were the theory and what we're doing. During that time, I actually started a business, a very much a side hustle, while I was studying, which was actually selling plastic number plates to go over the top of you know, to replace like the, the dealer's number plate with their branding with yep. other brands. So like, you know, for example, the school, private school brands, for example, where students had um, their, giving their parents a sticker to put on the car and now this was just an upgrade to a more premium. So I actually did that and got my business studies teacher to um, do the sales for me. So it was quite funny. I left school and then he was kind of doing, being almost like a partner and doing the, uh, the door-to-door sales to all the different schools for me. Um, which was interesting. So uh, that was my first foray into owning my own business or starting my own business. But um, came out of university and ended up going into, I still wasn't really that sure what I wanted to do. I, I, I was interested in technology, but I was also interested in finance. Um, and so I ended up going to a company called a Computer Fleet, which rebranded to, called, to be called Equigroup. 
And Equigroup was uh, minority owned by Commonwealth Bank at the time and they were sort of um, founded by these, these guys who had seen this niche around technology financing. So operating leases for finance, so taking a residual value mm-hmm. on a server or a fleet of, of computers. Fairbanks system. Then, exactly. Yep. And then offering them an asset management tool as well yep. to keep track of all these, this, this fleet of, of technology. So I got into that game fresh out of university. I got my, I was pretty wrapped, you know, I got my, my mobile phone bill paid for me. I got my laptop. I got my sales commission. So I was out and about um, partnering with the bank to go and talk to their big uh, institutional customers about how we could actually provide a more managed service around their, their procurement sort of technology. Sort of like a, a business development manager, BDM. Exactly. Guy. Exactly but right. in sales. A junior BDM, yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of where I got the thrill for, for selling. And, um, and obviously being a competitor by nature, I really loved the game and the thrill of the chase. Uh, and also I'd built this sort of fascination with technology, but I wasn't as interested with, uh, with hardware as I was with software. I mean, hardware been around forever, but the software and the evolution of software, I thought, wow, this space is really, really interesting. And um, at that point in time, cloud computing was taking off. So... You had Salesforce, Google were coming in and displacing Microsoft. So Microsoft had to react to that. They said, well, how do we actually, you know, while we have on-premise software, how do we, and we're moving to the cloud, and they're very resistant when they're moving to the cloud. Um, they, um, they basically said, well, we have to match at least how the payment and the, the payments work for software rather than one up, lumpy upfront payment versus for, for on-premise Microsoft software. How do we spread it out over time? So they set up a Microsoft financing division. So I moved one step closer to software. I wasn't selling the software or I wasn't part of that team that was selling software, but I was an extension of that team where I was actually we were using Microsoft Capital to go and then spread pay, almost like buy now, pay later yep, yep. Um, for business. Which is pay by installments. Exactly, yeah. exactly, to match what some of their yeah. competitors were doing. But then after a while, and I'm getting to the PayPal journey, I, I realized that, I'm very interested. One of my obsessions is around customer experience and making people's lives easier using technology. And obviously, you know, Microsoft had done a phenomenal job at changing the world and software was eating up the world at this point. And I, I really recognized that my inner desire was to go and help make people's lives easier. Like I was very much, it was very much B2B, everything I'd done. And I wanted to focus on the consumer, the end consumer, the customer experience. And I saw this opportunity with PayPal where they had done a phenomenal job at launching here. They had, you know, eBay, they obviously piggybacked off the back of eBay's success. And there was a whole bunch of, you know, eBay was going through its own transformation from being an online garage sale to becoming an online kind of Westfield or mall, like for new goods rather than just pre-loved items. So I decided, and, and this is just at the time when mobile commerce, like everyone had this mobile phone and no, you'd go to a website and none of it was optimized for mobile. Mm. So you're pinching and scrolling and then you get the payment. You have to pinch and scroll to put your credit card information in. People weren't trusting, you know, the internet as much as they do now. So payments and frictionless payments became a really important trigger to drive conversion for online retailers. Um, and so I saw that as an opportunity. I thought, well, PayPal are really well. They've got all these millions of wallets that sit in the cloud. Um, they can remove a lot of the friction from that mobile commerce experience. So I joined PayPal and it was a combination of some of my finance background. How did you get the job? I, I actually um, I went through 
came back. I had a couple of recruiters on the case for me. And oh, you got a recruiter? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you, I got you a went, recruiter. So I'm available. Give yeah, me a job. That's right. Exactly. So that sort of middle person to to go out and scout some roles for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, and actually, it was a bit of a fork in the road in my career actually because I had two offers on the table, and one of them was with PayPal. Uh, and this was back in 2009, probably 2010. So a little while now. Um, and the other one was with this software platform, but it was all about investment banking and trading and the buy side of that, that whole experience. And I was like, and everyone always said to me, oh, you'd be great in that land. But knowing, looking inward before I looked out, what I thought, well, no, I'm really passionate about software and that consume B2C play. And I saw the opportunity, right, which was this, you know, the internet was well and truly on its way, but mobile commerce was very much at its infancy. Uh, and so, you know, the great thing about, as I mentioned, PayPal had um, great brand trust. Uh, they had a, a wallet that sat in the cloud that m- meant that you could turn a, you know, a character. One, one extra field can reduce conversion online by 30 plus percent. Yeah, so, you're talking about friction now. So, friction, yeah. yeah, exactly. So two clicks and you're out. Yeah. How many times have you been sitting yeah. at home um, and you're, you're finding something in mobile and you're like, oh, my wallet's up in my jacket upstairs yeah. or downstairs. Yeah, it seems. Like, oh. I can't be bullet, fuck it, I'm out. Correct. So yeah. I'll do it later. Yeah. And you don't, you don't yeah, get don't, around to doing yeah, it. Totally. And that was all, we called it couch commerce. That was a big part of our pitch back then, which was like, you know, you've all been there. You're sitting on the couch, you find something, you get an email from a retailer or whatever you see it on social. You want to act fast. You want to drive that frictionless, that point, that moment of truth. You want to be able to remove as much friction as possible. And now we've seen, obviously, PayPal's been a, a, an industry leader when it comes to online and digital wallets. But now they've got competition with Buy Now, Pay Later, which start, you know, their hook to drive customer uptake was all about spreading payments over time and making it more budget-friendly for the consumer. But now what you're hearing from consumers, even using Buy Now, Pay Later, is, oh, I just like the fact that I don't have to get my, my, my credit card out. It's just seamless. I've got my login details and off I go. So they, did a really, they were really smart in how they look for um, something that, pay, that PayPal wasn't offering around that, those payment terms, extended payment terms, and now built these two-sided networks, which is really powerful. During that period at PayPal, I mean, and, and you, what's interesting, you said you went and put your name up with um, recruiters. How do you choose a gr- recruiter? The way I always like to do business is through referral. You know, um, I've, I'm fortunate I've got a fairly um, material network that I can tap into, you know, uh, a broad range of experience across different companies and, and, a, and a big group of friends that obviously um, m- many of which are in the similar field. So um, always just tapping in. I always ask people that I trust um, for referrals and vice versa. I think that's always a really good way of doing business. So for me, it was very much through my network where I got connected with the right recruiter. And um, it was actually one of the better recruiters I've dealt with. They were very consultative about like, what is it that you want? Like you, you've hit this age, you're, um, you've got some great experiences, a few different ways you want to go. So very consultative in their approach, which I really liked. It's nearly like the, a blueprint as to how to get into the right stream in order to ultimately do the right thing from your point of view. That is the, the right thing being the slip business. So, you know, mm. you've got to get into the right stream because in the right stream, you get the right experience, you know, you've got PayPal experience. You're also uh, seeing what's happening. You, you're getting a sense of uh, the future. You get a mm. future look, um, assuming that the organisation like PayPal includes you in those sorts of things. But you also get to meet people in the same stream. Um, you know, you met your business partner. That's um, right. What's your uh, partner from PayPal? Spiro. Spiro. Yeah. I forget name. Like so he was Spiro. the fourth employee, the fifth employee, I think it was, at, Spiro, um, at, at PayPal. PayPal. 
So, you, so here you are talking to uh, Spiro, Spiro and you probably said, well, here's a guy going somewhere. Um, I'm, I'm going to have a cup of coffee with him and you started to build a relationship with him. And then do you remember the day you said, hey, let's I can do this I thing sure called do. Slip? Yeah, tell me yeah, about that. Yeah, I sure do. I sure do. That's amazing because like you've gone, I mean, it yeah. looks like it was meant to happen. You know, people mm. do their destiny. Mm. It's like, but I don't think it was meant to happen. You just went about it right, the right, mm. about, about it the right way and you saw opportunities and you took advantage of them. But And you took your time. It didn't happen overnight. You're not a, like a 19-year-old, uh, mm. you know, uh, overnight success thing. It just mm. takes time. It takes time. And normally it takes a lot of time mm. unless you may be a retail uh, guy uh, who's you know really big on Instagram and all that sort of stuff. That maybe you can do that younger, but this sort of thing has a long shelf life. Yeah, and it takes time, it takes connections, and it takes people, and it takes inputs and mistakes, etc. As you said earlier, a lot of resilience. Um, but you've got to still like when you're a kid and 14, 15, working in the garage still after hours. I mean, you've got to be able to stick with this. Yeah, and find. But you've got to find the bits of timber and the bits of the offcuts over yeah. here, and you've got to glue it all together and. Yeah. Have some imagination. And uh, yeah. so do you remember the time when you actually sat down with Spiro and perhaps the other fella? What was his name again? Mike. Mike. Do you remember that day? Yeah. What was the, the situation? Absolutely. I remember. So Mike wasn't in the equation but at this stage. It was Spiro wasn't and I as co-founders. Yeah. Funnily enough, the irony of this is that um, when when I came up with the idea of making this, if trying to affect this change, which is a big, big mountain to climb. And we'll talk about slip, no doubt, about the proposition in a moment. But I was actually, I just bought a, my first sort of side hustle investment property up at North of Oka Beach. And um, I had just been granted my five-year sabbatical at PayPal. So um, five years at PayPal feels like a long time. It's, we're in a scale-up journey. We're taking PayPal's acceptance from around 30% off eBay to around 90 plus percent. So we'd had a really, ridden a really good wave there over five years. And so after five years, you get like a mini long service leave. So it's a US thing and a US based company. So I'd taken this month off and I'd bought this property and I thought, I'm going to go out there and just disconnect. I'm just going to be on my own. And then, you know, what? I'm going to go back. And I, and I really wasn't really too sure what I want to do next, but I knew I want to do something in this space in payments and in fintech. Fintech became this cool thing. When I joined PayPal, it wasn't a cool thing. It became cool. So I'm, I'm, I'm up at my, uh, my new holiday home. I've actually just bought this big log of teak. So going back to my, my inner child, I thought I'm going to go. I've got, first time I now own a property with a garage. How cool is this? Um, I bought this big log of teak, right, that I bought from the Lunan Teak store in, in uh, Alexandria. I saw it coming off the back of the truck as I was leaving. So I was like, what's that? They're like, oh, we don't. I said, how much is it? They're like, oh, you know, a few hundred bucks. I said, I'll take it. Put it in the car. It's like I had this big, like almost like this blank canvas, this log of teak. And I drove it up and, and it's, it's quite funny because I was like, okay, what am I going to do? What am I going to make? Because I want to make some furniture again. I hadn't touched the tools for a number of years. I wanted to make the, some furniture for this new property I bought and it was an Airbnb property. And I was sort of, because I'd seen the evolution of Airbnb, I was like, well, this could actually be a really good business, which it turned out to be. And, and also you get the capital appreciation, all that stuff. But for me, right, right at this moment, I thought I'm going to go and I got on Pinterest and I got my inspo and I was going to build this beautiful coffee table. But I decided I had to go and down to Bunnings and buy some, some tools, so some, some electric saws, some chisels, all that good stuff. So I didn't have any tools. So this is what, uh, this would have been 2015, 2016. So I walked down there 
And as I'm checking, I tap my watch to make a payment. Uh, and the cashier hands me over a piece of paper at the checkout. She says, oh, by the way, sir, we recommend you take a photo of the receipt and email it to yourself. And being, you know, obsessed, I say I've got OCD, obsessive customer disorder, obsessed with customer experience. I was like, hang on a second. This doesn't feel right. How can I tap my watch that you're given a paper receipt that I've then got to get my phone out to take a picture <laughs> of? Then I've got to email it to myself. The onus is on me, the customer. I've just given you my business and you're telling me that with a three or four-year warranty that I've got to take the photo of the receipt and store that receipt. That just seems insane. And when I walked out of that store and I got back on my tools, I thought, well, hang on a second. Also, they don't even know who I am. That retail, like a big retail hardware chain and other retailers, didn't, they let customers walk in and walk out right, without actually tracking any information. And being able to understand and reconnect with that customer post-purchase in a tailored, sort of measured and personalized way. And so with this evolution, I thought there's got to be a better way. And knowing payments and understanding the payment system uh, and getting into the trenches, I thought, well, hang on a second. What if you could link all of that receipt information to the card and then display that to the customer inside their banking app and not change that checkout process? So the Nirvana state of any new innovation is where customers don't need to change their experience, but they get that step change in experience. So that frictionless experience, relying on existing muscle memory. So the way our technology now works is customers simply tap as they normally do. And as they're walking out of the store, their banking app will notify them that their fully itemized smart receipt or digital receipt is inside their banking app. So that was so that, that was kind of like that aha moment where I was like, hang on. And then as I started going further and further into what could this actually mean? Because everybody's got to win out of this, right? If everyone, if I need to get retailers to play in this game. What's it for them? Well, exactly, right? I've had to get banks to play. I have to get point-of-sale vendors who are the ones that – because right now you've got the payment terminal and you've got the point-of-sale terminal. The, the receipt information is stored in the, the point-of-sale terminal, not the payment terminal. So we have to build our own infrastructure. This is a big thing to take on and a lot of moving parts. So how do we actually create an ecosystem that's built on trust but on value exchange as well? So I rang Spiro and I said, hey, I got this idea. Was this the first idea over thrown? Was this like the number 110 or something? Um, that's a good question. No, it's probably number 10. <laughs> probably number 10. Um, and what was normally his response? Um, well, he, he's he's learned to to be nice to me over time. He's he's pretty he's pretty upfront and and honest with his opinion. And I think we've always had that healthy relationship of I'm the ideas guy. He's the filter on the ideas. Like, let's go off and, and I think the most important thing is. Ideas are worth nothing, as we know, right? You need mm. to go off and the executions, it's all execution. But also before you go and execute, you really need to spend time validating. Yeah, yeah. And spending time with customers, listening to the customers. But like, you know, we were walking around town. We built a prototype in like three or four days. So we didn't build any code. And this is like, we need to go and validate the hell out of these with consumers, with banks, with merchants, retailers. So, But you're on holidays at this stage. I'm on holidays at this stage. What so about him? I said, he's still at work. Right. He's still on the tools at work. And I said, mate, can we catch up for a beer tomorrow? I'm going to drive back from the coast. I'm going to come down and let's meet up. So we, we had a beer. At, um, I remember it. We had a full artist chicken snitchel and a, and a nice Carlton draft. And we met up at the Forbes Hotel, which is now under reconstruction. Um, so we haven't been back there in a while. It's been under reconstruction for years now. But, um, yeah, so we met up. And he was he was like straight into this whole notion of like, hang on a second, you could look at the blockchain. This blockchain thing's taking off. Maybe you could build this on the blockchain. I was like, oh, seriously. And we haven't built on the blockchain yet. But I'm like, that's just too much. It's over my head. I 
I'll, I'll hear you out, but I really want us to be able to like not when we're working with the banks, we don't want to be too futuristic. We've got to be like, what is it? How do we get the banks on board with us now, um, rather than you know this 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 thing that's taking off, but isn't really real and trusted right now, which was the blockchain. We brought in a couple of other payments nerds to to figure out. We still hadn't figured out what the secret source would be around the actual infrastructure of how the technology could work because no one else around the world was doing this. So we we kind of and that's one of the things also. I always in trying to be first. Sometimes being first is not the best yeah, place to be because you're trying to create a new market. You're making mistakes all on your own. You're sort of pioneering this yeah. technology. So anyway, so we we built this prototype and it literally looks like the real look like the real thing. I, my um my wife actually she's a she's a fashion designer now has her own fashion business. She mocked up designs of the the smart receipt. Um, I, we got a couple of payments there to come in and do like. We got a, a, this old terminal which could show you tapping on the terminal with your card. We had this phone which was like a mocked up app that looked exactly real, like a Combank or a uh, Westpac or a. But your project was more a video of each of the sequences. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We still didn't quite understand how we're going to get the data. But it was no code flow. or anything. No, it was nothing. complete no. smoke and mirrors. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. it was, uh, yeah, it concept. was, it was, it was a, it was a proof of concept, but yeah. to the point where people thought it was real. Yeah, they were like. Hang on, that's pretty cool. How did you? Like, it basically just did the pitch on itself, right? People were like, and we even um, did some research with a number of the banks and also um, the payment schemes like Visa to help us build out the standard that's now going to be a national standard, hopefully one day international. But I think, you know, Spiro stayed there. Uh, we we went through. We 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 had to talk to a lot of people because it's not something you can build and they will come. You know what I mean? It's not like let's put up this website, let's hack together a website and see if customers and growth hack it and see if we can get people from social onto our website and convert them. This requires bank-grade infrastructure that you don't have a business without the banks wanting to be part of the journey with you. And so talking to industry uh, mentors and veterans, are like, Paul, great vision, love it. It's never going to happen. Never, ever is this going to happen. You've got to get one bank to work with you, let alone four banks to work with you then to work with each other, then you've got to get the point of sale guys and the retailers on board. How, what's in it for them? You, on holidays, instead of saying, so, well, I'll, go, I'll have a look at this at the end of my sabbatical month or whatever it is, I'll have a look at the end of it. You actually said, no, fuck it, I'm going to drive down to Sydney and meet the dude, Spiro, and uh, talk him through it. And then uh, you must have stayed a bit of time because you went and pulled other people in, other yeah. people who could b- help build it, including your wife who helped yeah, you. Yeah, design it. Yeah. Design it. Yeah. And then you the put together up. a a proof of concept looked like it actually existed. Yeah. So I actually got them to come up to me. <laughs> I uh, come so, to so I got them to come up and we did a bit of an offsite. We got a, bought, I bought a whiteboard and I said, guys, I'm not technical. Go and solve this problem. How do we solve this problem? So where do you so, find these people? Um, the, the, well, the, the, the pay, like people. people in the industry, like ex PayPal employees, people who know someone who's yeah. a payment techie. Yeah. So um, again, yeah. you're, you're in that sort of stream. You, you're, what's important here is that you met these people or knew of these people and knew where to find these people. That's right. As a result of your, I don't want to call it networking, but your building relationships, understanding how things work in the PayPal system. That's it. Or in that payment system. That's right. It's a community, right? Yeah, like yeah. it's fintech was sort of starting to evolve. And, you know, when, and this is one of the other things I learned, like when you work for a great global brand like PayPal, you get to meet a lot of people. Yeah. You know, and, and good people. And great people, you know, like, you know, we were my team were the ones that helped. You know, 
with the guys at Harvey Norman come online for the first time when Airbnb and Uber landed here. We were their first point of contact. You've got to take payments and it's a global company, right? Yeah. So we were really fortunate to come across amazing um, companies and entrepreneurs, some of the online pure play um, pioneers here in Australia that started their journey with PayPal. I, I know a guy around about your age. Um, his, his name's Josh Overlaffy. He's a good guy. I know his dad actually and uh, mm. um, very well and um, ex-lawyer but quite a bright guy, but I was only talking to him yesterday it was, and what's interesting to me is um, how people like you and him, particularly in software environments or environments that get changed for the future by the use of software and maybe some hardware, but by the use of software largely, um, new ways of doing things that are more efficient, more intelligent, less expensive, less paperwork in your case. Um, these individuals, there's like a club and you're all talking to each other mm. all the time. Not just, not just about, oh, can you help me on this project? But also you're listening to what they're doing because what ends up happening with these individuals, people like you, people like um, Joshua, mm. um, what you guys tend to do, and this is a great thing to slip into, is you prosecute your proposition as many times as possible. Because you're practicing on me, let's say you're just starting this up and you're talking mm. to me, you're practicing on me how I should be, how you should best articulate your idea. Mm. It's one thing to have a proof of concept and it's on a video and all sort of stuff, but when you go sit down to talk to me many, many years ago, if you just had started this mm. and you were just you had the video in your yeah. back pocket, um, every time you speak to someone, you get better at for the next time. Hundred percent. Because you get asked questions, you get quizzical oh, yeah. looks, and you think, "Shit, I, I, you pick up on that cue. I better fix that up. Better change that." And it seems to me that people like you, and as I said, young Joshua, and a lot of others out there that I've met, tend to practice these things on your friends, your colleagues, your cohorts, um, way before you do the proof of concept <laughs> thing. I mean, because you, you're <laughs> that's true. You always yeah. you always talking the shit. Like yeah. you, you're there, yeah. you're, you're there playing around with it. Totally. And by the time you get to go and walk the streets of Sydney and talk to customers and banks and terminal users and retailers or what have you, you've actually practiced a whole lot of times on your mates. Absolutely. And so important to get into these streams like you got into the PayPal stream. Yeah. It's so important to get in these streams and build – it's a crap word network, but build um, like a, a group of people that you can rely on for their opinion. Not just Spiro, but everybody else. Yeah. Who you type. And then you can say, Hey Jono, um, over there. Uh, mate, I know you're really good at this part. Yeah. You want to come and totally. get involved. Totally. That were, and that that is that how you sort of kicked it around in the beginning and then sort of really got it to a point where you thought, fuck, I've got something here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Let's go to the break and we'll come okay. back. Let's talk about it. Because yeah, I think sure. you know, it's really important to me. I I just really want to know how you Leveraged it, how you and how you choose people, similarly to the way you went out and found the best recruiters to get you sure. into those organisations in the per first place. I don't believe in this destiny. I, I, mm. I mean, maybe you are destined to do it from one day, but I believe this is all purposeful movements, purposeful strokes that get people to where they end up. I think they might not understand the purpose, but it ends up becoming quite purposeful when they look back on it. So let's go to the break and come straight back. Thank you. 
As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm back from the break. I'm here with Paul Weingarth and uh, his business is called Slip. But we just went through the process of um, how we got to proving up the concept of actually walking the streets. And we talked about the importance of, let's call it a community for want of a better word. Um, how do you go about choosing who's in your community? Because you, don't want to, you haven't got time to waste. How, how, yeah. you know, and I don't want to sound really ruthless because, you know, you fucking eliminate that person because they're a waste of time. <laughs> but how do you work out? time efficiencies and efficiencies around who do I talk to? When do I talk to them? How often do I talk to them? How do I make the choices? Did you have a, um, a view on that at the time or can you reflect on that, how that worked for you? Well, look, yeah, it's, it's an interesting question. I think, um, for, for me, like I've always been a people person, so I've been fortunate. I've always been able to make friends on build networks relatively easily being an extrovert. Um, always passionate about something, whether it be rugby league or whether it be payments or what have you. So um, I have a pretty broad sort of network across, you know, professionally and personally. But that can um, be a setback because, I mean, then you, you got, I mean, let's say you got a thousand, let's say you got a hundred people. Yeah. Probably only in your case, in the case of Slip, maybe 10 are relevant. Mm. How do you uh, um, sort of bring it down to the very essence of who you need to talk to um, so I think it's, I think relationships are all about, you know, there's got to be a mutual value exchange there, particularly professional relationships. It can't be all one way. And I think, um, what's been important in the relationships I've, I've built from a pro- professional lens that is, is that there's also a friendship, not just a professional give and take. Uh, and so being able to like people that are in, in a similar path. One of the fortunate things we had at PayPal, um, just as I was leaving PayPal and starting Slip, was a new uh, regime came in to the local business here and basically 60 70% of PayPalians left, right? right? So that then exponentially like, amplified 
my network. Yeah. Because these guys are all going out doing really interesting random things. It was just it was quite like quite fortunate that, that kind of unfolded and I was going into Well it's doing, fortunate you recognized it. Yeah. Well, PayPal has always been a breeding ground for entrepreneurs to come out and do their own business. There's actually a saying in uh, Silicon Valley. Uh, it's called PayPal Mafia. Right. And um, they call and it, they've got a whole there's this like underbelly of uh, of ex PayPal people who go out and start amazing businesses like YouTube, for mm. example, or like LinkedIn is another one, an ex ex PayPal executive. So it, it always has been and always hopefully will be a breeding ground for people to go out and do their own thing. Um, and so I think, you know, one of my former colleagues, uh, Fabio, he left PayPal um, and was the first employee at Afterpay. Uh, and so he was now in this game and was like, Afterpay? What's Afterpay? You know, so that's just like, and I speak, to, we go for walks, you know, once every few weeks. We, we speak regularly, Fabio and you, I. You keep that up. We definitely, because yep. we're just, it's, it's, it's that, number one, you've got that um, history of trust with these people. So you've actually been in the trenches with them. Mm. So I think that's really powerful. But then when they leave your trench and go into other trenches, you still have that underlying trust and relationship and history. It would be fair to say, though, that you, Paul Weingarth, you uh, build a sense of mutuality with these individuals. In other words, there's something in it for both of you. You know, it's not just you sucking the life and the oxygen out of the environment from them because they're looking at something. They must be getting something back from you. I mean, apart from the fact yeah. that you're – you, you know, you've got to be affable. People can invent affability. You can become affable, even if you're not naturally. You're naturally affable, but you can become affable. Mm. You can play the game. You can perform. Mm. Um, but what's what, what's hard to perform is that understand or actually really distill down is that sense of mutuality that I need to lead, uh, let this guy know about or this girl know about that they're going to get something out of the discussion with mm. me once every fortnight. Mm. So you're yeah. there to talk about something that's valuable for both of them. Yeah. Is it that, it, it, yeah. For me, it's that ruthless. Yeah, not ruthless. That's a shit word. Um, <laughs> boys, it can be misinterpreted. It's a mutuality and uh, there's something in it for me as well as there's something in it for them. Um, and it is treacherous where you take advantage, but if you're not taking advantage, you're just sharing yeah. stuff. Yeah. And because they're valuable people, they're valuable relationships, they're valuable community, valuable engagement, valuable feedback. Yeah. Well, I think I think the thing is, like, if I, if I sort of un, unpack it all, um, I love hanging around people that are passionate about something and and help me. We learn off each other, and we're both sort of, you know, doing maybe doing slightly different things, but we're learning from each other. I think I've got this curiosity and this thirst for knowledge. Um, and I think one of the things, uh, if you if you look at people in general and their, their, what they do for work. Um, I think Jeff Bezos once said you can have a, a job, you can have a, a career, or you can have a calling. And, and so um, I think PayPal has been, a real, as I said, like a really good sort of shoehorn into people like obviously you can build a great career at an international company, but going after something and seeing spotting opportunities and going after a calling rather than just a career or just a job. Um, so that DNA of who they've hired, and I was obviously fortunate to be part of that club for a long time. And as I mentioned now with them, everyone's spreading their wings significantly. So, you know, um, one of the guys that was one of my mentors, he went and ran the residential part of realestate.com. So he didn't stay in fintech, but, you know, we catch up regularly. Like I think you've got to put effort in as well. You know, you've really got to put effort in with people and it can't just be a one-way take, as I mentioned. Um, I almost like... You know, when somebody's been really, it comes down to awareness at the end of the day, right? It's, you know, you, you, 
you don't keep a ledger on the on a piece of paper of how much you've taken and so on and you've got to pay them back. But you have awareness. It comes down to like that that awareness to go, hey, like you've just done four or five introductions for me. Like there's credits there. Anytime you want anything me to me, me to do anything for you, come back. Um, you know, I feel is there anything I can do for you? Because it's about human behavior. That's yeah, right. and, and you've got to become a you have become, you might not know it, but you've become a student of human behavior for like-minded people. Yeah. Who are interested in entrepreneurial things, particularly around the payment system. Yeah. And uh, and sharing ideas. You know, for my environment, when I was going through me, I fucking told no one nothing mm. because I was they going to nick it. Um, your, mm. your, and today you can't be thinking about it. You can't be thinking about, am I going to share something with this person? If that's a person who's going to nick it, that's not someone you should be sharing with. That's right. But am I going to, sh- but, but you can't be thinking about, am I, if I'm going to give that bit of information to so-and-so who's, you know, working for Afterpay, is he going to run off and do it himself? Yeah. Uh, because you can't be thinking, you can't have that conspiracy theory going through your brain all the time. Would you, would totally. A hundred percent. And. Otherwise you get fucked all because yeah. they give you nothing back. No, you're spot on. And I, early on in in, uh, in the journey, I was a little bit cagey, right, because I'm like, hey, I've got this great idea. No one's doing it. And you can't go and patent right? it or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, we, we have we have a patent pending. Then you there are parts of but it. Then you but then you could. No, nah. because um, there is no real government support around yeah. patenting stuff, right? So you've got to come up with, before you even pick up the tools to write a line of code, like $20,000, $30,000 to put a patent in place, and we didn't have that at the time. Um. But, you know, to answer your question, um, I was very much cagey when I started. But then I realized, but every interaction I'm having, like what, okay, firstly, what are the defensibility? What are the moats I can build around this business? So, you know, I can um, build a defensible business. What are my unfair advantages when it comes to my skill set, whether it be my network, whether it be the architecture of the platform? It could be anything, right? Your connections and all that good stuff. Um, so, I, and, and again, I was doing a lot of research and when I was going off and being, being in this career to going after this calling and part of something bigger than myself with this group of people, uh, it was important for me to do a lot of like inward looking and also a lot of research about like other people that have been on this journey. And, and I spoke to a lot of VCs and got a lot of mentors in this space and like, don't be open. Yeah. Be really open about what you're doing. Every time you are open with someone, you'll learn something. You'll get feedback, even if they're a consumer. Because the great thing about Slip, and this is what I say to people coming into Slip, is you have an opportunity to have double impact, right? You can come into an early stage company and be one of the a critical player in the rudder of our company and where we go. And also our product touches everyone, right? Yeah. Every Australian, we're doing our bit for the environment. We've got every merchant coming onto the platform. Every Australian can be part of our network. So. Um, you want to talk to as many people because they're potentially your customers and get feedback. It's free, free feedback. Who doesn't want that? It's data points, right? So, yeah, so well, it's funny, you know. I, I mean, my friend. I mean, I haven't spoken for a bit, but or more recently, maybe last month. So, but my friend, a guy called James Packer, um, and another guy called David Gingell. Um, mm. if you, apart from their high intellect and deep knowledge of their their industry, like James was gaming, and mm. prior to that, media. David Gingell's media, he was a he was a boss of Channel Nine for a long time. Um, but apart from that, and they're like pretty much givens for both those. I think one of the most impressive things that I could get, that I saw, I observed in relation to those two individuals, mm. and I do it myself, but but I didn't realize. But I, I observe them doing, is their prolific nature in prosecuting whatever it is that they're doing at the time. 
and how they hone their skills at the articulation mm. of what it is they're prosecuting by just practicing it on people over and over and over and over again. Yeah. You go to, I would get to a point where I would speak to James and he would tell me, oh, let's say I saw him every day for a week. Every day for a week, he would tell me the conversation ended up being around what he's doing. Yeah. And it was the same thing. Yeah. But he was just getting better and better <laughs> so and true. better at telling the story. So spot on. And he was yeah. getting to a shorter, it was getting shorter, yeah. but more, yeah. more punchy. Yeah. And straight to the point. By the end of the week, I'd say, mate, you pitch me. Okay. <laughs> I've got it. For fuck's sake, leave me alone. Yeah. And this Ginger was the same. And a lot of successful people, especially in new businesses, new yes. ideas, yeah. are brilliant at this. And they have people to practice it, practice it on. And it sounds to me like you're another example of this. 100%. But like, I, I, as I said before, I was, I, when I met young Josh Abelafi yesterday, he's only, you know, he, you're young, mm. he's young, around the same age, I guess around the same territory, I, his dad said to me, Mark, would you, uh, Josh would like to meet you. And I said, okay, no worries. I know his dad really well. And uh, within two minutes of meeting me, he was practising his pitch on me. And he wasn't trying to get any money from me, but I, I just and I thought, yeah, that's it. That's what it is with these guys. That's why these guys are so successful. Correct. And uh, so, and I, I re, for me, it's just a, it's a great reminder. I mean, I used to be the same in in, in the wizard business. I was the same. Like I, I talked nothing but but wizard. I didn't. All I did was talk about our product and our service, and uh, our proposition. More more importantly, our, our proposition or our hypothesis. Yeah. So if you have got an idea, you had an idea, you turned it into proof of concept. Is not just the thing you show everybody. Proof of concept is actually getting proved in your own head. Correct. Does the hypothesis work? And have I got the infrastructure around me to execute, which means have I got the individuals? Do I know the people I can access? And that comes from being in the right slipstream. And I don't believe in destiny. I just believe that's what you did mm. purposefully, mm. not knowing that all these things connected at some would connect at some stage or you would connect them at some stage. You, they're all out here. They're randomized. Over yeah. here, there's Spiro, there's blah, there's this, that, and the other. There's a, 30 guys who used to work at PayPal, now PayPal's at a restructuring, they've left, but they're working at Afterpay and everywhere yeah, else. Yeah. You, they're all randomised, but some bit of software, which is in your brain, went, I'll grab that bit, I'll grab that. Uh, 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 uh. Yeah. You put it into one line. Yeah. And there, therein comes slip. Tell me where is slip up to today? It's one of those, those things that people see and they go, why hasn't this been done before? Uh, it's it's quite it's quite simple. So the the way the Slip platform works is as a consumer, um, you can log into your NAB. So NAB's the first bank that's gone live just yep. recently, and now we're rolling out to the remaining banks and some of the buy now, pay later. You go to the NAB app, you'll have a um a call to action inside the NAB app, and you'll be able to click on activate Slip. So once you've activated Slip, now you're done. Yep. So that's the only point of friction. Am I still inside the NAB app, or Correct. am I now going over to the Slip? No, you're platform. you're 100 inside your existing app. Yep. Um, so that you don't have to download another app. All you got to do is say, yep, I want to activate this feature. It is NAB software from the consumer's point of view, not. It's a combination. So, so the, all of the, the, the consent or the opt-in screens are all on NAB site. So yep. that's all owned and designed by NAB. Um, the, uh, so then so the, we go through the customer experience. So once you've activated, you could walk into, I don't know, General Pants, Chemist Warehouse, Harris Farm. We've got all these different. The Watson's Bay Hotel, like a whole range of different uh, retailers that are on the platform already that we've launched with is our sort of foundation cohort to test out and prove out that it's in production and it's real. Um, so you walk into any of those 
stores, whether you pay with your tap of your, your plastic card, your watch, your phone. So we're form factor agnostic. We don't care how you choose to pay with your NAB Visa card. Um, but you, yeah, so business as usual for the customer, tap, and then within, it's about four seconds from beat to receipt in your banking app. What's in my app? So you get a notification from, from NAB saying you've now got a slip smart receipt for let's say $100 yeah. for the purchase you've just made. And then if you act, action that, that notification, it pops up with a fully itemized, so it replaces a paper receipt. Um, but this is now a new channel, right? So this is a fully itemized, um, what we call smart receipt, not a digital receipt, because we're now able to do cool and intuitive and interactive things for the customer. So set warranty or return reminders, be able to click out. So you just bought something in the store. You want to, you bought this nice blue shirt for whatever reason. You want to go and you go into your receipt. You can click out and view that product on the e-commerce store. Right. Okay. Right, and see what other colors they have. So you might yep. go back into your receipt. We're bringing being able to repurchase into the receipt is what's coming next, but we'll go there in a moment, no doubt. But for now, um, we're just and one of the, again going back to what our customers want. We wanted to do everything from day one. We did loyalty, linking loyalty into the transaction, offers, ratings, so customers could rate the merchant experience. And our customer research said no, like taking them from a piece of paper to a smart receipt, a Fairly bare bones smart receipt with some cool intuitive features I mentioned earlier is a big leap. Don't pollute the user or the consumer with too much too early. Take them on a journey. Yeah. So now we've launched our sort of um, first version of our smart receipt. People are like, that's magic. How did that just happen? I've never experienced that. Just say, for example, uh, mm-hmm. I, I go and take my family, my, my four boys and my dad, my brother, for mm-hmm. example, for lunch mm-hmm. at uh, – a rock pool, wherever, because yep. it's a special occasion. We haven't had to get out, and I just yep. want to get my dad at my. We my, are rolling my, them out at the moment, actually. Yeah, and uh, I, I've got an app card, for example. Yep. I don't, but say I have, and uh, and I've got the NAB app. I, I I tap, I pay the bill, um, and I see myself that night. I think that was expensive. Um, I really didn't check the bill because mm. I had a few drinks. You know, I you know, yeah. I didn't want to be look like a miserable bastard. You know, some <laughs> sort of schnorrer in front of all my family. Yeah. So I. But now I can go and have a look at it. Yeah, exactly. It's you can itemized. See the line item. It's all line items. It's got your GST. Um, you could use that for if you wanted to make an expense um, claim. for work claim. Yep. Um, wish, for, but I can't. For, yeah, you wish. Um, the joys of owning your own businesses. Yeah. Um, the other one might be if you've gone in and bought a, you know, a good that needs to be returned. So we have barcodes for returns, those sorts of things. But um, we just launched with a really cool company called a new um, emerging fintech called DiviPay, which is for small businesses. Um, and they they enable you to push as a business owner um, virtual cards to your to your team instantly. So you can say, all right, um, you know, Annabelle needs to go down and buy the Friday office beers this afternoon. I'll push her a hundred dollar card, and it gets SMS to her, bang, and then it goes straight into the Apple Wallet, bang, they pay. We've actually just launched with them because um, they're a, they're a payment system and an expense management platform that then links into Zero and NYB and what have you. Does your stuff link into Zero and NYB? It does through them. So through them, right. so effectively, yeah, you can go and use your Divi Pay, Apple Pay, Mastercard, tap into any of any of Slip enabled retailers or merchants, um, and then the receipt, you know, again pop, populates instantly into the into the Divi Pay app, but it also exports out instantly as well. What about merchants? Do you have to? Yes. You have to onboard the merchants. Yeah. So, and the good thing about working with the banks is that we, they only, they give us distribution scale on the consumer side because we embed ourselves into a network that already exists, banking app. They also give us great scale on the merchant side. So they're a referral partner for us. Um, And then we also have um, 
point of sale vendors who assign like 20 or 30 point of sale, major point of sale vendors who have the relationships with the merchants as well. So, and merchants can get set up on sleep in like three or four minutes because um, we're not a financial services product. So we don't do AML, you know, all that vetting and the heavy lifting around lending and typical payment products. Um, but, yeah, so NAB is the first. Um, we're, we're the only fintech in the country to have the privilege and the backing of all four major banks. When you say you've got the backing, you haven't signed them up, you've got NAB signed up. So they've, they've, we've, we've raised um, in the tens of millions from right. the banks so, to build so you, the platform. They're, they're equity partners? Yes. Yeah, okay, so well, why don't we talk about that because that, that's, that, mm. that's something I'm very interested in. So how did you go about approaching the big banks to invest in you? Yeah, it was a challenge, that's for sure, because – they don't move at the pace you want to move at. No, no. That's for sure, right? Totally. And um, the, the biggest, the most important things when you're starting a business are cash and customers. Mm. And we didn't have either of them. Mm. So, but we had a good idea and we hadn't written a line of code either, right? So we had this great, the prototype wasn't just a video. It was like you tap your card on this physical terminal, pops up in this app that looks like the bank app, but it's not. It's just a facade of a bank app. So anyway, so we, long story short, because that's probably, that's its own story in, in, in itself. but. Effectively, what we did, we, we, we spoke to all of the major banks and, and fortunately, this is just as these corporate venture arms were starting to take shape. So you had uh, Reinventure, which was part of Westpac, and you had NAB Ventures, which was part of NAB. And then ANZ Ventures came on a little bit later and now our investment through CBA is not through the X15 side of that. It's through their core bank. Anyway, so going back to how we cracked this nut, which is um, a really interesting um, conundrum for us to, to get ourselves into uh, because well, the, the first thing that the banks were saying is, well, how many merchants do you have, right? And the merchants were saying, how many bank partners, how many consumers do you have? And then we went to the, So how did we crack that? So we recognised after scratching our head for many months and trying to figure out how we cracked the nut here, we thought, well, we've got to get the banks because they have the merchants and they have the credibility and they have the consumers. And if we don't get them, we don't have a business basis. No scale. Yeah, no scale. And we can't just build it and hope they'll come because it's going to cost us you know, five, ten million bucks to build this bank grade, ISO compliant, scalable platform. It's going to have piping data through the whole, you know, a uh, big chunk of the, the economy's data through it. So, and it has to be done in a safe way. So, anyway, we were fortunate enough. Um, definitely the prototyping was a big factor in showing the bank with NAB and the NAB Ventures team. One guy called Lockie. Um, so, I'm going to give him a plug. Without Lockie, we probably wouldn't be here today. Um, he and I connected on a, like, we had chemistry. We caught up for coffee in the lobby at NAB. I showed him the demo. I literally got out my kit. We got walking around town in my, in my case here, in my, in my bag with a, a merchant terminal. People all thought I was a bit weird. Like, what's this guy taking a payment from this random guy? Um, so Lockie and I caught up and he was like, yeah, no, nah, I like it. This, is, this has got legs. He's, he's a smart, smart uh, young guy. And um, he then got me time in front of the NAB Ventures uh, MD. And, uh, and, the, and the broader team, and they sort of bought in. Um, but this is like, great, you're getting like lots of meetings and I think a lot of startups, particularly working with banks, get what I call happy years, right? You get meetings like, yes, we've signed an NDA. It's like, <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, little do you know <laughs> what you're about, what you're in for going forward. It's like it's a different beast. And so long story short, um, what we ended up doing was we signed um, a deal with them to say, all right, well, we'll, we'll do a proof of concept. Inside, they had a labs team as well. So they had like this innovation lab. Yep. We'll do a proof of concept. We'll go and build the code. We kind of said we'd already built half of it, but we'd probably built 10% of it um, because we needed some money. We'll go and build the code. We raised some angel money because they weren't willing to give us 
the first million bucks, mm. right, without seeing it working. So they basically took, um, uh, what's it called, um, like a warrant. Yeah, uh, like business. an option. An option, right, yep. to say, <clears throat> okay, if you do these things. If you do these things, we'll give you a million yep. dollars. But yep. we need, that was the cart before the horse. But that's easy. But, but the thing is, if you've got that, yeah. you can then go to your angels and say, that's right. W- w- if we, if you do this, then Correct. we can do that. Correct. <laughs> exactly. And I'll never forget. This is no word of a lie. Um, took an angel to lunch, uh, Chinese restaurant, and pitched him. Got my terminal out, pitching, pitching, <laughs> always pitching. Um, pretty refined by this stage because you know I'd done it, practice on my friends as you mentioned earlier many many times. Um, and we got the fortune cookies, right? We get the fortune cookies. <laughs> And we crack the fortune cookie and it says, great ideas might be profitable. And like there's these little signals in life. And I know that just seems, I know you don't believe in destiny, but there was these little moments like that where we had a good laugh and he was already in. I believe in that happening, but what I also yeah. believe is that you then took that opportunity to say Correct. to the individual yeah. something about yeah. that. Is that right? Yeah. that's, that's You great. leverage the opportunity. Absolutely. Well, you got to get the opportunity then you close the opportunity yeah. and then. But even if I had said, you things. know what, even if I had said, uh, uh, Great minds meet in a Chinese restaurant yeah. in the cookie. You would have somehow leveraged that too. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, another one, another example of that. I know we're going a bit off track here, but was um, and I looked for these little signals to like, okay, someone, someone's looking after me here. I was pitching to this senior executive at, at one of the big payment banks, payments companies, and we were having dinner at an Italian restaurant. And uh, he's an ex PayPal guy, PayPal mafia, gone into another into a banking environment, and um. I was trying to get a deal signed with them. It was a paper deal. Like it wasn't really, they weren't going to execute the deal, but it was enough to go back to the angels, right, and go, hey, guys, look at all this, you know, this momentum we're building in the business, these, these big companies are signing and paper put, with us. Put FOMO in front of them. Put FOMO in front of them, exactly. Yeah. The train's leaving the station. So so anyway, we're at dinner and he's like, yeah, look, let me think about it. Let me come back to you in the morning. It might be competitive what we're trying to do, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, as we got the till, one of the one of the terminals for the bank that he was working for was was actually the the merchant was using their terminal, and I paid with my card. And as it paid, the thing ran out of paper. <laughs> the thing ran out of paper, and he goes, "You're <laughs> kidding me! <laughs> you are kidding me!" He goes, "For that, we'll sign the deal." He really? signed the deal that night when he got home. Yeah, you got to um, have a bit of luck. I, I get uh, yeah, it. Yeah, but yeah. you don't get luck unless no. you, unless you're out there and about. That's right. And you like That's you just right. said, oh, lunch, dinners. Yeah, carry stuff around your bag, oh. coffee. It's just totally. it, it's a it's a total shit fight, but you got to do it. And Absolutely. as I said earlier, too, it's also about recognizing all the parts are mm. and some gathering them in and flicking yeah. that out there and bringing them across. And so now, just to put it into perspective, so Slips just launched its NAB through the through the NAB app uh, with NAB along yep. with NAB. You're got investors being the big four banks. Yeah. Um, how many rounds have you done? Uh, we've done, so th- this is the funny thing, the domino effect, right? So we did NAB. So we closed, we did the proof of concept. Yep. Customer validation and data points coming back from customers and merchants was yep. off the charts. Yep. Had a better NPS than Apple Pay, for example, right? So oh. net promoter score. So we successfully deployed the technology and proof. We didn't do the, the full automation. It was a bit of hacking because it was still a proof of concept yep. in the background, but it showed that uh, a receipt information getting the pause into a banking app. Right, uh, even though the automation in the background wasn't quite there, um, and so we we closed that first sort of round, and that was kind of the start of the first domino falling. And then you build the FOMO, right? Yep. Which is then we got reinventure in. Yep. Um, through Re- reinventure is a Westpac. Westpac. Uh, Westpac. Um, and then early startup yeah. investor. 
And then if if Nav and uh, Westpac yeah. are yeah, in, then A and Z are in. So A and Z came on. Yeah. And we actually started way back initially with CBA, and we couldn't get the deal done initially. But then CBA came in towards the end, um, so most recently. So we we raised we raised about twelve or thirteen million between through, the whole lot between yeah. them. Yep. We, we raised about five or six hundred um, with the Angels um, to get us to that build that first prototype or proof of concept, I should say. Uh, and now, yeah, now we're just in the middle of the tail end of a, of a much bigger round. So um, we're proven. Everyone told us what was impossible, that it is possible. Um, we've got some of the biggest retailers in the country on the platform. We've got some big ones we haven't announced yet coming, so some of the top five retailers in the country coming on, um, hopefully before Christmas, but maybe just after Christmas, and they're in uh, integration and activation at the moment, and also the buy now, pay later guys as well. Probably too early for us for that international, big international money yet because there's a lot of pressure to go international quickly. Mm. But I always have a saying, Tony, you've got to win our home games before we win our away games. Mm. So like, we just want to be ruthlessly focused for the next 12 to 18 months to get to that network effect tipping point where we've got you know more than half of Australia covered on the platform. That'll make us the single biggest network in the country. Um, and you know, under one standard, under one roof, still delivered through the banking apps, but Slip is a standard and a brand that customers Australia will become familiar with hopefully and we want to become obviously part of the Australian vernacular um, towards the back half of next year. So there'll be a lot of above the line stuff that we'll do in partnership with the bank. It's an awesome story. I mean, I, to be honest with you, like, uh, but it is, you're sort of, you're not finished. You've got a long way to go. I, know, I, 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 yeah. I mean, this is the exciting part. Yes. You're, you're in the exciting part now. Correct. I mean, it's still going to be hard work. Do you find as though um, your energy levels have increased substantially? A hundred percent. You're spot on. We're just at the start line, hmm. so I I've, I sort of say to the team like we're for the Olympics, sir. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're in a we're in a marathon sprint. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're going. Well, the other analogy I like to use the team is we've been like in this boat race with this in this shitstorm, right? Going upwind, like with people falling overboard, waves crashing over, um, you know, tick tacking upwind. We're just about to turn the buoy. The sun's come out. We're about to put the spinnakers up. We're going to have some fucking fun. Yeah, you know? here we go. Um, here we go. Here we go. So. Um, all of that hard work is now about now we can actually have impact, right? So before it was all about getting all these collaboration and this building this ecosystem and putting all the pipes in place to get all the data from A to B. But now it's about making putting it in front of customers and helping merchants. So one of the things we didn't mention was part of the value prop for retailers is not just a great customer experience and a new digital channel to take a customer from offline to online. So then retailers have never had access to that banking app, right? So this is a piece of real estate. We can actually provide them to start integrating, whether it be clicking on following their socials or clicking out to their e-com site, getting them to sign up to their loyalty program in one click inside their banking app, right, to help them understand their customers. Um, but one of the core things is what we do is we're building an analytics platform that's launching early next year, which can help merchants and retailers and businesses not just understand what their customers are doing and, and where they're coming from and all that good stuff and not being intrusive, so not knowing the personal details of that customer without that customer's consent. So it's very much, you know, compliant and privacy is, is, is critical to us being able to grow and thrive and build trust. Um, but helping them understand at an anonymized level, you know, where should they put their next store? What, what does the data say? Like uh, what products are trending? How are they pricing their products compared to their competitors and their peers? So what is their pricing elasticity, right? Um, you know, um, you know, what are their customers? What share of wallet? Their, their sales might be up, but they're actually losing ground on their competitors against their peers at an aggregate level. 
without compromising you know, merchant to merchant data, right? So it's all about building. You can anonymize the data and aggregate it exactly, yeah, yeah. right? So we don't. I mean, if it, as a consumer, one of our next products, you'll be able to consent to sharing your personal data with the merchant and yep. doing it in one one tap. Yep. Right. So it's frictionless. Like going back to my PayPal days, where we had this, you know, express checkout option, where it's just two taps and you're out. Same thing for loyalty. And I think that's going to be really important for retailers who have an online and an offline presence to have that single view of customer and be able to actually take their offline customers, their store footprint, and turn them into online customers or omni-channel yeah, customers. Yeah. So knowing your customer, has, if you don't know your customer, you're going you're gonna to be in a lot of shit. And know their behavior. Exactly. So, I, I, we're, we've run out of time, but I, I'm mm. always giving an opportunity to ask me a question. You, have you got a question for me? I mean, you, I, I mean it sounds like you got it all covered, but you got anything you want to ask me? <laughs> Um, it's a question for you. Um, well, look, you've, you've been around, um, and reinvented yourself many times. You know, you had your, your work that you did on the home loans business, um, the apprentice show. So you've done TV, um, you're doing this, you're an ambassador for digital and, and, and online. Um, one of, one of my sayings that I've always gone by, so you've reinvented and, and, and really remained relevant and sustained that relevance, which I think's remarkable what you've done and where you are now so one of my sayings before i ask the questions is um i've always and no doubt you've had a lot of adversity along the way here as well you had not everything's gone to plan Tons of it. right <laughs> you've got a few battle scars and no doubt Tons no doubt um so one of the things that i've always said to myself is I got, uh, one of the sayings and i'm, I'm curious the question is going to be what is your saying but my saying has always been one of the things that gets me up and keeps me persevering is they who say they can and they who say they can't are both right. So it's one. Of, it's a Confucius and a, an old ancient philosopher. Do you have something? And it may be a a a, a saying or a, a mantra. What is it that you sort of live by? Adversity doesn't bother me mm. um, because maybe because I've been through it so many times. It's just a, it's a sideshow um, adversity. As by the way, success is too. Mm. They're both sideshows mm. as far as I'm concerned. I look at both of them as, as such as I'm not after not chasing success. Therefore, I don't care about adversity. I, that's not my my game. My game is about curiosity mm. and relevance, and that's they're my two main things. I always want to remain curious. In other words, I'm open to everything. Meeting young people, talking about what they're doing. I don't let ever allow um, intellectual challenge to stop my curiosity. I don't care what it is. So even if I don't understand a space, I'm prepared to be open and try and learn about it, at it just because to satisfy my own curiosity. And then if I see something that's good for me in it, that I think I can do something well in it, or I might be, it, or or it's extremely interesting to me, then I try to make myself relevant in that space. Mm. And the way I make myself relevant in that space is build like you do. I I knock around with the people who are relevant in that mm. space, and I go and find them. I'm lucky because I'm at a period of my life, I've sort of established myself. I can actually go to most places. I knock on a the door, they'll let me in. Mm. So, but I leverage that. I, I, I take advantage of that. And we talked about it earlier when you were at PayPal, you leveraged all the people you met and not in a ruthless way or a horrible way, but you add, you, you did it in a mutual way. There was mutual value in it. I do the same, mm. but I leverage my ability or authority to get doors opened. When I'm interested, after I was curious in the first place. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's, that's sort of my little algorithm. 
Mm. Um, and there's yeah. that's my algorithm. And for all those people out there keep getting nervous about this word algorithm, you know, there's a lot of people who go, it's just a fucking recipe. They're the steps, <laughs> you know, it's the process, yeah. the system, the steps which works for you. And that was your question, Mark. Yeah. What works for you, basically? What's your yeah. algorithm? That's my algorithm. Yeah. Uh, stay curious, become relevant. It doesn't say that it doesn't, I don't get the shits when something adversely affects me, but I don't let it affect me so much so that it stops me. Yeah. Just like I don't look at success thing, I've done there, I'm, I'm finished. Love it. Because I'm never finished. Yeah. One day I'll die and then I'm finished. But <laughs> prior to that, I'm not interested in finishing. Yeah. Love it. It's inspiring. It really is. That's cool. Thanks very much for asking me the question. It's a good, actually, first time anyone's ever asked me the question. It's a good question to ask. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Mentor. Audio and production is by Jess Morley. And production assistants, Jonathan Leondis. <laughs> Too tired to clean your floors after playtime? Forgot to vacuum before your friends bring their little ones over? Let Yuffie X10 Pro Omni help. Powerful 8,000 PA suction removes debris and MopMaster dual mop pads scrub away stubborn stains with ease. Save time and keep your floors cleaner. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799.